Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Moore and Connolly Football Show, the podcast that gives you your fix of the NFL with a little added je ne sais quoi. Big shout out as always to the Gridiron family, of which we're proud to call ourselves a part. My name is Tom Moore, talking nonsense since 1986 and joining me as always, it's the godfather of the family, it's Ollie Connolly. Ollie, how the devil are you doing? I'm doing good, how are you? Um, I'm living the life, mate. I'm living the life of two kids who are constantly ill. So I am constantly ill. I've been coughing for six weeks now and it will not go away. And it's bizarre. Sounds rough. Sounds really rough. Are you able to, on your sick bed, indulge in any of the World Cup or not? I've been watching a bit of it, baby. I caught the, uh, why did I call you baby? I caught the uh, Wales-England game, which was nice. Um, Good to see the USA. They got through as well. And France lost to Tunisia in Australia one this afternoon. I was kind of thinking, hang on a sec, are France going to end up second in the group? But obviously on goal difference, they're not. Because I thought that England would suddenly have this relatively easy path through to the semi-final, which isn't going to be the case now. No, it's it's going to be tricky. And I still have no idea or concept how we're going to play, what it's going to look like. It's, you know, when we play very bad teams, we play our good players and play fun football. And then when we play the good teams, like let's roll out our bad team and play bad football. It's just very negative, Southgate. The thing about Southgate is that I don't, and obviously this is uh, soccer for those of you that aren't soccer fans, but we're just going to talk about it now. So indulgers is that I don't think he has a plan B. I think he sets out an 11 and then he's got no idea what to do from that point onwards. And that, it's almost like your NFL, you know, your halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. You, you, He does not have an ability and he doesn't do bold things. You know, I used to love Jose Mourinho back in the days before five substitutes and when (laughs) he would would make three changes at halftime and just go, bollocks, this isn't working. (laughs) This guy is shit. I'm going to change everything. I think he did one in that first Chelsea stint where everything he touched was just magic dust. Like home to Blackburn after like 20 minutes. Do you remember this? When he just like Mm. got it completely wrong and he like just like ripped John O'Mikel or somebody. He pulled like two players off like 20 minutes into a game. I love it. Southgate is ostensibly the director a football of England. It's like he looks really good in a suit. He's perfect for MS. He's perfect Middle England. He's excellent at the press conference. And so he should just be made the head of the FA and not be given the men's football team to lead into World Cups. It's like, yeah, he's great at all those things. Make him in charge of the whole organization. Can we give the coaching job to someone who's good at doing the, the coaching side of things? Yeah, it feels like there's got to be after this tournament, there's got to be a move upstairs, so to speak, in a positive way. I got nothing against Gareth Southgate. He is just not an in-game leader from a coaching perspective. Anyway, um, on today's show, Ollie, as always, we get into the NFL headlines, and that's not this week's headlines. We're talking about next week's headlines, and we're going to tell you what we think is going to be in the headlines next week. Then we're going to go to our game show this week, and this week, Ollie, because we've not got Stereo Mike with us, the producer, once again... While the cat is away, I was about to say, well, the mouse is away. And I thought, well, what does somebody do when the mouse is away? Well, the cat is away, the mice will play. And I'm going to play with you a little game I like to call situational football. So we'll get to that, Ollie. You're going to be answering questions on an increasingly, uh, different footballing scenarios on increasingly ridiculous uh, premise. So I hope you look forward to that. I look forward to it. Do you reckon they did this with Jeff Saturday in his interview where they just tried to see, figure out his brain? Could this guy head coach in a game? For instance, you're driving to win the game. You've got three timeouts. Do you ever consider using the timeouts? Do you take them to bed with you? You know, uh, Would you ever consider using a timeout, sir? Do you think that they just gave him increasingly ridiculous scenarios that he clearly must have answered well to have got the job? 
Well, clearly they didn't give him that scenario to answer a question on, that's for sure. Um, I, I, I'd like to think that they probably did give him some weird scenarios because otherwise how would he have ended up with the job? Because the football-based scenarios, I don't think he would have done particularly well with. No. Um, you can find Ollie Connolly at Twitter, at Ollie Connolly. You can find me at V underscore Tommy underscore more. And before we get into the NFL hotlines, hot, hot hotlines, Ollie, I just want to share with you um, a little observation from the world, if you don't mind. Will you indulge me, sir, for a minute? Please, yes, let's go. Oh, I love to be indulged. So um, it's a silly point to start. Then I'm going to give you a more serious one. But it's about watching Netflix. Now, because my wife is Greek, we tend to watch Netflix with the subtitles on because she misses words, you know, particularly when it's somebody Irish or Scottish or Welsh, generally. <laughs> scouts, so. She misses a lot of it. It's unfortunate when our brother-in-law is, is my brother-in-law is Irish and she's got no idea what he's saying. And she will go for, for Sunday lunch and she'll say to me, what was he saying? Um, <laughs> uh, which is Which is fantastic. Anyway. I've been really enjoying the subtitle descriptions of the music that you get on Netflix. And I just wanted to offer you a few examples before I move on to a more serious point, because what's the mentality of the person who's sitting down having to write this? So first of all, these are some of the examples, right? Ambient funk music plays. (laughs) It gets better. Intriguing music plays. It's basically telling you, this is how you're supposed to feel right now. You are supposed to be intrigued. Uh, is it menacing music playing? Oh, oh, so oh, that's menacing character right there. Um, rousing classical music playing. This is the best one. After that, uh, in the same program, I can't remember what it was. Frivolous classical music music playing. It's, it's, it's frivolous. Oh, oh my. Um, and then there was one I was watching The Crown last night, and this is when we're going to a serious point. Um, and it, the, the horse was making a noise, and it said, "Horses nicker." I don't even know that a horse could nicker. What is a nicker? I I don't know what that is. Uh, I'd like to picture it as someone just like smoking a cigarette at a desk, nine to five. You know, it's like 4.45. The deadline's tomorrow. They're not that interested. They're sat probably in Budapest somewhere and like, oh, whatever, just (laughs) rattling away. That's what we'll do. I've had a similar thing with this. I watched The Bureau. Have you heard of The Bureau? I've not heard of you, Bureau. It is a fantastic spy show from France, very similar in, in tenor and tone to the, the John Le Carre novel, mm-hmm. George Smiley and what have you. Um, brilliant French show. And so it's obviously subtitled, but it also includes the CIA. So you have English actors and bad, often American actors launched into this high press. It's like the biggest budget show in the history of French TV, right? So, but you remember Friday Night Lights? You watch Friday Night Lights? Uh, the TV show or the film? TV show. I didn't want, I, I've seen clips, but I've not watched the, it properly. Uh, people who've watched it, Buddy Garrity, who is the, the used car salesman in Friday Night Lights, you know, a uh, not exactly prestige TV show, but a fun one nonetheless in, in the US. He is like the head of the CIA in this really prestige uh, French show. And what it showed me was the subtitle, so they subtitle the English language, right? Because it's going all around the world. So it's in Morocco, then it's in Afghanistan, then it's in France. They're subtitling everything for the different regions of the world. When they subtitle the English CIA guys, they are lying because what the people are saying on the screen is not at all what it is being read out in the subtitles so i have no idea if isis is really saying what they're saying in the subtitles tom i have no idea if this could just be some guy sat somewhere or some lady sat somewhere in media city somewhere typing out their own novel in the subtitles that has nothing to do with the action on the screen Where's the quality control on this shit, man? That's that's absolutely bonkers. I love it. Anyway, if you do watch Netflix, watch it with the subtitles on every now and then because it's quite amusing. But before we get into the headlines on it, I just wanted to make a serious point, though, when I, uh, when I was watching The Crown, is that 
there is a real danger nowadays, and I know this has been in the news a bit, but it does intrigue me, is people take those TV shows at face value as if they were documentaries. And that is really because they are not. They are dramatizations. Those words did not come out of those people's mouths. This is not a live stream documentary. Um, and it feeds into the whole world that we live in now, which is just um, you make your own reality and, and you decide, well, that's that's what happened. And uh, I, I don't know what it's, it's there is. We're entering a new phase as a hit as a historical scholar in my university days where history will be rewritten by the media companies. Like platform media hosts of the Mark <laughs> Show. Um, I, the, the, the Crown one I find particularly offensive to people's intelligence. I am a big, big believer in do not treat your audience as idiots. A oh, big, big swath of the media loves to treat their audience as though they are absolute imbeciles. But it, it is genuinely shocking to me that anyone ever took any of that any seriously it's fun i really enjoyed the early seasons i mm. thought they were just way better frankly than the, the latter seasons which aren't very good in my opinion they're okay really good set it was pieces. it was longer ago as well <laughs> in the early season. we yeah. didn't know any of that stuff I, I know all the diana story not as interesting to me and uh, you know uh sticking together multiple storylines to get it all on screen at once when they were you know over 10 year periods and all that stuff the old school stuff with young hot queen and you know dr <laughs> Who, hot philip that was amazing man they're in zambia having a great time the dancing it's sexy it was amazing but i never <laughs> once thought this you know winston churchill really painted this painting and went mad over this paint and then like hung out with the queen I, yeah <laughs> the young hot queen it reminds me of jeremy in peep show when he's going into the sperm bank and he's got nothing to utilize <laughs> as, as material he's got a fiber with the queen and you've been getting through your nylon ration book um anyway ollie let's spin forward to the headlines Genuinely as well, Peep Show. I, I'd forgotten how class a show is. All Absolute, time. Yeah, all timer. Okay, Ollie, my first headline. And ladies and gentlemen, these are the headlines we expect to see next week. Here's my first headline, Ollie. When the hell did this happen? Washington beat the previously surging Giants to move to eight and five? I feel like someone's turned over two pages at once with this Washington team. <laughs> How did we get here? Well, one, they, they put the Green Lizard in, right? You get rid of Carson Wentz through injury, and then you just start the Green Lizard and Taylor Heineke. You know, he's he's not good at a lot of the things, but he's really good when it matters most, right? Fourth quarters, third down, out of nowhere, the guy makes plays. Often he's throwing into triple coverage <laughs> for reasons that remain unclear. And now comes <laughs> Terry McLaurin with the ball, and all of a sudden they're moving on offense. That, that's the that's being one of the things. And, but the big, big thing is just how they've overhauled things defensively, talent-wise, at least in the front seven or most of the front four, the linebackers have been pretty crappy for multiple seasons now, no matter how much they invest in it. All those pieces they've saw, all the first-round picks they've saw, sunk in over multiple regimes into that defensive line, that should be just like the Niners, just like the Bills, right? Just four-man, get off and go and just crushing people um, with just four guys. It was pretty putrid early in the season mostly because they have a defensive coordinator jack del rio who is not running his own defense they're running ron rivera's defense ron rivera used to be super duper hands-on with defenses became more laid back when he moved to washington was kind of like in control of the entire franchise wasn't game planning as much handed the reins over to jack del rio but del rio wasn't allowed to run his defense he still had to run the architecture that ron rivera had built so it's kind of a mismatch Fit, and it's been that way for a while with them tons of coverage bus tons of misaligned fronts they've kind of tweaked things as the season's gone along that front four is now playing out of their minds they finally coalesced and all come together and stunning thing in the nfl you get a great pass rush you start winning a bunch of close games 
I love it, Ollie. I love it. But it is a, a massive surprise to me. Anyway, it's, it's exciting seeing that that Washington football team. I won't call them by their new name because it's <laughs> stupid uh, doing well. Ollie, what's your first headline? Tua, Tua, Tua. Look at what he had do, do, do. Bravo, sir. Bravissimo. You raised the bar once again. I, I really think this Niners Dolphins game will, will be the game of the season. I'm just unbelievably excited to, to see it. It looks like Teron Armstead is going to play now, even though it looked like early in the week he had a torn peck. I think they're just saying he's got like peck bruising or something now, so he's going to play. You've got this outrageous Dolphins offense, right? Just everything they do is just gold and they're, they're just clicking and and rolling with a rhythm that no one in the league really can match right now. Even the Chiefs, for as good as they are on offense, it's it's not always as in sync as the Dolphins feel like whenever two is being healthy. It just feels like they are scoring on every single drive, even though they aren't necessarily going up against that Niners defense, which is itself out of its mind good right now. And their offense, obviously, since they made the trade for McCaffrey, Garoppolo just isn't making anywhere near as many mistakes. Guys are wide open all over the field. And the Dolphins defense, since they made the Bradley Tripp trade, Bradley Chubb trade, not easy to say, uh, has been completely transformed, just completely transformed. In fact, Tom, in an upcoming issue of Gridiron Magazine, I've written about this in detail for the mag that people can um, can go right to now, get, get a little Christmas discount or something, and they can get the uh, get the mag and read about it. They've just completely changed their pass rush profile. They get pressure with four now. They were not before. They're in a complete identity crisis of defense, adding Bradley Chubb, who I'm I kind of run hot and cold on as a player. He's been really, really good there and just transform what they can do defensively and fix a whole number of the, the issues they were having at every single level. Just adding that top-level pass rusher has made all of the pieces kind of slot into place. So it, I think, uh, though the defense hasn't been outstanding, I think they're better now than people think. And so I think we're going to have good on good and good on good on both sides of the ball. And I'm just so, so hyped for this game. Absolutely love it. Don't you feel like the Niners have kind of done this by stealth this season. I feel like they've just, in terms of the overall national narrative and, and from an NFL perspective, I feel like they've just snuck up on us without anyone noticing because of all the quarterback talk at the start of the season and then Garoppolo took over and, and everyone kind of turned a blind eye and said, well, we're not recognising that this is it's just happening over there in the background. <laughs> kind of. It's not really happening. And now they're kind of there and it's like, oh, oh shit, they're for real. Yeah, and they got kind of lost in the shuffle because the Giants kept winning games, right? And then the NFC was dominated by the Eagles and talk of the Packers implosion. Those are the dominant NFC narratives. And then Seattle playing way better than anyone expected, the Rams implosion. And they're like you said, they are plodding along. It does seem like throughout the Shanahan years, whenever they're good, and whenever they're good, they go to the Super Bowl. They're either really bad or they go to the Super Bowl, right? This is kind of what they do. You can kind of look around week 10, week 11, and, you know, they've won six games. Maybe they've got a seventh or that, you know, they're below 500. They're usually riddled with injuries, which they, they were once again at the midpoint of this season. And then it all just comes together. He figures the offense out. They always, always, always figure it out on defense. And all that's been this year on defense is, one, they've not been great on third down, but mostly it's just been so many injuries at every single level at different times. Now all those guys are coming back together. They're all going to be healthy and it's going to be the best defense in the NFL again, probably. And then we've seen what they can do on offense with the added firepower. So I, I don't think there's a team in the NFC who would want to face them. By the time we get there, even, and we're not that far away now, given how they could play against Miami, we could be saying, well, they are the favorites, even if they got to go through Philadelphia or whatever it is, or they got to go through Dallas, just because of the composition of them on both sides of the ball. I'm not sure... Over than Philadelphia, Dallas is pretty great too, though. They, they probably do have the, mo the most firepower of anyone both sides of the board. The issue is, of course, Garoppolo versus Prescott versus Hurts. 
the Eagles, I feel, have got the smell of a team that's going to steamroll the postseason, uh, the regular season, and then lay an egg. I got a real feel of that. Anyway, I, I, I can't think of anyone but Kansas City, frankly, and even then, probably 50 50, where I feel confident as them, even as a home favorite. You know, I, I, I think we did speak about Joe Burrow last week, right? I wrote a giant. We did. We did. Yeah. Last week. God, the Bengals look so good. They look so, so, so good on both sides of the ball now. And Burrow's getting better and better and better. And they're going to work Jamar Chase back in. If you told me even the Chiefs were a four point favor at home in the playoffs facing the Bengals, I would not feel confident in taking that. There's, there's not a team anywhere, I don't think, this postseason. Even the Bills at home. I wouldn't feel overly confident. It's so, so wide open in both conferences. Yeah, we'll be playing at home. They'll be sent to play somewhere else. Uh, anyway, Ollie, there's now these final four headlines. Okay, this is a great one. This is great because, you know, I dislike Russell Wilson. Um, worst trade ever? Broncos get obliterated by Ravens as they lay a 40-burger on their heads to relegate Denver to three and nine. So just answer the question, Ollie. Worst trade ever? Not the worst trade ever. Worst trade and contract handed out post-trade ever. Beautiful. one-two punch. He's on the books for five more years, and there's no getting out of the contract. The only way of getting out of the contract is, I, I don't know what you would, uh, you know, some kind of illegal activity. He, he sexually <laughs> assaults someone, basically. Yeah. Or he gets you caught, catch him in some kind of fraud sting or something like that. It, 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 that's the only plausible way you, you do. What was the the skater in the Olympics where she's... Ton, Tonya Harding. You know, a Tonya Harding situation, or you get unbelievably lucky and you go down to Walgreens and Kurt Warner's son is bagging groceries and you sign an undrafted free agent who's going to the Hall of Fame. These are the only... These are the only ways out of this. This is a brand new family ownership situation. They handed this guy a five-year contract. It's so bad. I did want to ask you... We talked about Zach Wilson last week. We spoke about Zach Wilson the week before. It was so, so, so funny watching Mike White drive up and down the field, his little sulky face on the sideline, getting increasingly upset as his team is winning. Who, Which Wilson, first and foremost, which Wilson is in the worst spot and which team with a quarterback named Wilson is in the more difficult spot with their Wilson? Great question. First of all, obviously, I need to get the thought of Russell Wilson kneecapping Nathaniel Hackett with a uh, wheel hubcap out of my mind, a la Tonya Harding. Uh, look, look into that if you don't know about that. It's an incredible story. Nancy Kerrigan, I believe, was her rival. Mm, you got kneecap knee with a wheel hubcap, Jesus. Um, I'd say Russell Wilson mm-hmm. is in a worse situation because he's got this reputation that he's gone in with and all the back history, whereas there were always questions, I think, about Zach Wilson. And so, sure, he's acted like a bit of a you know spoiled brat, but at the end of the day... He kind of had that sort of type of thing to say. He kind of had that look about him, and he's not coming in with the expectations that were on Russell Wilson's shoulders. In terms of team that is in the worst situation, I go to the Broncos again. You've got a head coach that clearly is not up to the I job, <laughs> yeah, and you've got the um, you've got this this Russell Wilson situation. Whereas the Jets have a defense and some offensive talent that actually, if they slotted somebody in somehow, whoever that is. You 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 fixed the problem. You, it's not an easy fix in Denver, Ollie. I, I think that QBs B B minus B B plus QBs. So I know I've spoke before about Brady and Lamar Jackson maybe trying to get themselves there. Probably unlikely, uh, based on Brady where Brady would want to play, and then the Lamar contractual situation, the franchise tag, all that stuff. 
B, B plus guys, however you divvy them up, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, who are going to be available, they will be falling over themselves to get to that Jets team. It's not just Russell Wilson. The defense is electric. That I don't think that will subsist, uh, subsist next year. The DC will be somewhere else as a head coach. Those guys' contract situations don't align very well either uh, on the back seven particularly. And the offensive line is terrible. And the, the weapons aren't what people thought the weapons would be, and one of them's injured. So uh, it's a... It's an unmitigated disaster. Last follow-up for you on Russell Wilson. Did Russell Wilson cost himself a spot in the Hall of Fame with this trade? Both performance and then kind of the reputational damage of getting out of that Seattle bubble and being kind of exposed to himself. And then all day, if you want to include it, not that they do include I mean, they, they've put murderers in the Hall of Fame, so I don't think bad TikTok dancing will get you. But the, the Hall of Fame voting people, when he's available, will be people in my age demographic. So maybe they will hold against you bad TikTok dancing more than we held Lawrence Taylor's crack addiction against him. I would say yes, it has cost him that, at least if it continues on this trajectory. And I said earlier in the season, I I can't remember what game show we were playing or what was the basis of the conversation, but I said Russell Wilson will be forgotten. He will be forgotten. He won't appear in conversations when people are going, who are the greatest ever quarterbacks or speak like mobile quarterbacks or that. He will just be forgotten because people will not want to remember him for who he is. Um, And it's which which is terrible really because he's not a murderer and he is not somebody who has sexually assaulted anyone. So, but he is just a character that grates on people like when you have sand in your pants when you leave the beach. It's irritating. The worst worst footballing crime possible is corniness. (laughs) It's like we will overlook so much, but please, please do not be corny. Our athletes, we want them to be cool desperately. It's horrendous. Anyway, let's keep motoring, Ollie. Now give me your next one because I I know what this one is and it's juicy. My MVP. Go on. The MVP off between Mahomes and Burrow and the Bengals and the Chiefs in Cincinnati. I think this is where... Mahomes locks up the MVP. I do think that Tua should be there more than people are even discussing, and he's probably second on most people's ballots right now, but he should be right, right there. And I wouldn't even for him, you know, missing the, was it two and a half, three or three, three and a half games that he's missed this season, wouldn't hold that against him because there's such unusual circumstances and he's been so electric when it, when he has played and has been right at that Mahomes level. But I do think, as I said, with Joe Burrow, he should be right there. No one is playing the position better than him at all. And I do think he's, he's the best player at the position right now and all the little subtleties that go into that too, um, alongside Mahomes. The, on, the only difference for Burr is he's had one disaster games. Mahomes has scorched the earth basically in every single game. And that's the thing with Patrick Mahomes, you're going up against Michael Jordan in his prime. So, and you have to try and beat that guy out. Um, so I think that one way or the other this weekend, we either get people recognizing how special Joe Burrow has been now for 10 weeks um, and it thrusts him into the conversation, or it's just case closed. Don't even bother with the tour situation as, as special as he's been. Let's just have it uh, give Mahomes his flowers now. Is Mahomes going to go down as the most talented quarterback ever to play the game? Yes. Scott Cashmere, great, great football analyst and writer for um, Football Outsiders, has this cool chart that tracks when QBs kind of knock off the most prestigious records, what a, a number of games played, age profile, that kind of thing. So the Brady Breeze touchdown records, passing yardage. So Cam Newton, th- first three years out of the box, right? He just 
racks up all these touchdowns and yardage. Mahomes is just motoring through everyone. It used to be this really cool split of Favre and then, you know, so it's like Marino, Favre, and all the great ones would have like three, four-year leaps individually. Then Brady, Breeze, Manning would battle for them back and forth through the ages, 30s, and then Brady mm. at least 40. And now it's just this like horrendous, like red wave flowing down the charts of Mahomes. <laughs> he's outpacing the Breeze records by eight games. And he's like, you know, Christ knows how much younger. It's just, yeah, he's going to he's gonna come for all the figures, obviously. And then the debate was always until Brady did what he did was, well, you know, Marino is the most talented thrower. Well, maybe Rogers, the most unusual, unorthodox, gifted thrower, you know, uh, Manning with the, the brain and, Bre- and uh, Brady with the, the records and the, the winning. And Mahomes is going to have all of them. He's going to have all of that in one box. And I think it will be a, an almost Michael Jordan situation with him, yeah. Okay, two more quick headlines to end this segment, Ollie. First of all, from me, no love in Green Bay. The Packers lose in Chicago with a limping and clearly not 100% Rodgers, who's forcing basically the Packers to play him at the helm. Now do we put number 10 in, Ollie? Do you think they'll make the move to put in Jordan Love? I don't know. I I've not tracked it this week. I don't know if you've seen this. He made any of the comments after he he made that intimation where he's like, if I'm mathematically still alive, I'll play. But he's kind of intimating if we're not, I'm going to go hit the beach early because my thumb hurts and I don't really want to do this. Um, I feel like he's got some massive hubris going on where he's going to refuse to stand down. So I think someone's going to have to knock him out of the game on Sunday. How did you feel about Jordan Love? The other night, I mean, someone... I, want, I want to get a look at him. To be quite honest, I'd love for him to play against Chicago on Sunday. I'd love to watch that. You know, good or bad, just throw him out there, see what happens. You cannot continue to play Aaron Rodgers, although it might detonate the building, and they're still tied to him for two years. Not like they can get out of that contract. Mm-hmm. But you, it, it, Justin Fields isn't going to play. Their defense is a horror show. They've traded all the pieces on defense to lose intentionally. If you lose to that team and Trevor Simeon or uh, Nathan Peterman's the the backup now, right? Nathan, if you lose to a combination of Simeon or Peterman, if Simeon's healthy to play with the oblique injury, um, you have to just go down the classic route, which we're already seeing, by the way, uh, uh, week 11 staple, week 12, week 13 staple, injury X of star play who's playing bad is way worse than you ever thought it was. Way, oh, way yeah. worse. Oh, yeah. It was fine in London. You know, I've, I've dinged my thumb a little bit, but now it's like, I, you know, they told me I should have had it sawn off, but I said, <laughs> I'm going to do this for the guys. You just have to fall on your sword, put that story out there. Oh, it's really bad. I got to get the surgery now. It's, you know, it's getting worse and worse by the week. Could jeopardize the rest of my career. And put the young guy in, and not put the young guy in, even to say, "Hey, you might lose your job, Aaron. We're going to go with the young guy next season again." Contractually, it'd be very hard to do unless you, you just force him into retirement by benching him. Put him out there so we can see if he's any good. Trade him to the Broncos then, if the Broncos yeah. someone from Russell Wilson. Go and get two first round picks from someone who's loopy enough to say the Jets. We really need someone. Jordan Love looked amazing for four weeks. Let's go give two first round picks and try and win this thing next season. Yeah, Matt Flynn it. <laughs> Matt Flynn it. <laughs> Russell Wilson there replaced Matt Flynn, wasn't it, in that offseason competition? Okay, Ollie, your last one. Tampa Slade. Ooh. It's quite good, that. Quite good. Uh, it, that, that was very, one of the very good. I thought of it, and I was like, that's too good not to put it in the editor in me. You know, we get into the festive season. That, that, was, that, was, um, that was brilliant. Uh, but I, another one, I don't really believe that Tampa's going to lose to the Saints. But the Saints do appear to have, uh, Dennis Allen particularly appears to have Tom Brady's number. Um, 
when the Bucks are on offense, it's been that way. Tristan Wirfs is out. There's been this giant viral stat, which is really bad juju going into a weekend game against Tom Brady, where everyone's throwing this thing out. The Saints have only had two interceptions all season. It's going to be the worst interception season in the history of a defense. It's supposed to be one of the, the league's best defenses. That screams to me of like a three-pick weekend to just kind of blow all that up. Um, and I, I don't know who wants to, who's going to, who is, cares about winning the NFC South. I mean, all these teams are below 500. As I said, Worfs is out now for the books. Nothing about them looks right. Some of the top bowl stuff is just bizarre at this point. Some of his press conferences are weird. He's actually having his best season maybe ever as a defensive coach, which is quite oxymoronic to how moronic he's been as the head coach of the team and what he's instructed the offense to do. So I don't know. I, I am all the way out on this idea that I've held on to, held on to until the last three minutes. That was at some point, Brady's got to come on the outside corner because it's just what he does and it'll get right. And maybe they'll bring an Odell Beckham or that he'll find some guy we've never heard of. He played, you know, lacrosse at Princeton and he'll play in the slot and he'll throw to Chris Godwin. The offensive line will get healthy and get okay. And the defense is playing well enough. And the NFC sucks, even though it doesn't really suck anymore. And he'll at least get himself to the title game because that's what he does. And this is the, the moment I've decided that I think I'm out on that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, Ollie. <laughs> I really, really don't. <laughs> oh, well, they're the headlines for next week. Let's throw forward to our game. So, Ollie, game show of the week this week. We've got no mic with us who would usually lay down some game show vibes. So I've decided I want to play a game with you called Situational Football. I'm in, control, I'm in control again, Ollie. So what I'm going to be doing is giving you a series of increasingly ridiculous uh, scenarios and asking you for your best answer to that item and that is situational football so we'll start with some standard football ones on it this will be good insight based on your opinion on uh, some of these situations but then we're going to get into some more and just find out about you as a person you know so i'm going to be diving into a bit more about ollie based on his answers this is what we'll see so and let's just say for the record that people who uh, break down the game on, on television or podcasts or with any kind of like schematic nerdy bent they're giving them head coach jobs in the nfl now that's a, that's a reasonable path. Trent Dilfer just went from ESPN. They gave him the UAB job in college football. So this is this could be my moment. Minnesota could come calling tomorrow. Can I? Would you hire me as some kind of you know like water carrier or something? You Can I have a job? I would do the thing which is classic, classic. This is what I believe is going on with Nathaniel Hackett. By the way, Nathaniel Hackett can't count. We all know this, right? We discover this together in real time. We went, oh no. Yeah. They've hired a man who can't count. This seems problematic, Fred. What are you, what are you inferring? <laughs> and then they did another. This is a classic, classically. This is this is from the John Harbour school. John Harbour is the best at this, which is if there becomes a national storyline about anything in our organization that's incompetent, which often is often isn't with the Raiders, hire someone hundred grand a year, cheap as shit to Steve Bishotti, and I get all these you know hosannas for how smart I am. Nathaniel Hackett, week three. Oh, no, Nathaniel Hackett can't count. Instant leak. Nathaniel Hackett's hired a timeout expert from Harvard. He's going to be on the headset, tell him exactly what to do. Brilliant. Great job from Nathaniel Hackett. Have you noticed any difference nope. in Nathaniel Hackett's game management? I don't know if that guy is really employed by the Broncos. I don't know if he's really from Harvard. I don't know if he's really on the headset. I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's listening. I don't know if they gave Nathaniel Hackett one of those f fake Jeff Saturday, you know, fish yeah, yeah. that's in week six, and he's still calling the timeouts because they took him off the headset. I do not know. Um, what was the question? I don't know. Um, let's, let's start with uh, these scenarios. So first of all, Ollie, number one, it's third and two. The mm -hmm. first down closes out the game. Who's your running back right now in the NFL? 
right now in the NFL, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Oh, that was my point, by the way. I would hire you as my, you could be my situational timeout guy because those guys make great money. And that would be my immediate leak. I would try it for two weeks, be really bad. And I would leak out. I've hired this. You, trust me, guys. This guy's the smartest guy in the history of time. He, no one knows time like this guy. And I would hire you 100 grand a year, cash monies, and you'd, you'd be up in the booth. Oh, man, that's too much pressure. I do, I do not believe I would succeed in that job. I would balls it up straight away. <laughs> like, where is this guy in the crosshair? Sorry, it was me. He's the Broncos I, guy who just vanishes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going back to England. Um, Nick Chubb, you said. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. There are certain players in the NFL, and this is a, this is an innate Tice-ism for those who listen to the athletic football show, so I am stealing it. There are guys who get buckets. Like, uh, you know, it's a basketball analogy, Tom, for those, those who don't know basketball. Just guys who, there are some players who just, they get buckets. It doesn't matter where they are on the core. Guys draped all over their body, right? They just find a way to get the ball in the hoop. There are certain guys like that in the NFL, right? Patrick Mahomes, third down. He just figures out a way to get you a bucket. The best bucket getter in the in, in the NFL lined up in the backfield is Nick Chubb. He just makes guys miss. He's got all the wiggle. He can run over you. He can run around you. Nick Chubb is is the top bucket getter back in pro football. Buckets. Scenario two. The opposition are four and one on their own 47 with less than five minutes to go. You know they're running it up the gut. Who are your two linemen to stuff the run and flip the field for potential victory? Hmm. Well, I want Vita Vea in there, who is basically, I don't know what his contract is, probably $8 million a year, $50 million a year. He's paid to be, uh, to have girth, right? It's Vita oh. Vita Vea, who is a great athlete, and then the no gloves is the best look in the NFL. But they basically paid him to be the widest human who can get off the ball in the league. So I want him sat in the middle, and then I'll take Donald, because he's Aaron Donald, and he's the best interior defender in the league. And if I've got girth and burst, then from what I know, that you have a good time inside. Totally, man. I've always wished I'd had girth and burst, but it you know, never worked out for me in that way. Uh scenario three is third and ten. A first down closes out the game. Who is your QB? And based on conversation so far today, I think I know what this answer is. Well, it would be Patrick Mahomes, yeah, because of the, the legs mobility and throwing from any arm angle. My, my my heart wants to say Joe Burrow. I'm in such a Joe Burrow love affair at the moment. Um mm-hmm. I hope I hope Joe hears this. Um, but also, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is the correct answer, probably. Fair enough. You Scenario- think this is how it went for Jeff Saturday, and he assumed he was having these players when he... <laughs> <laughs> Scenario four. The opposition are driving to tie the game. They're fast and long-rangey number one receiver is having an all-time game. Who are you putting out there to go mano and mano to see out the victory? Honestly, right now, I think Sauce Gardner is the best cornerback in the NFL. And I Love think that sometimes that stuff gets overstated because he's new and fresh and people evaluated him in college and they loved him and everyone thought it would be great. And so you maybe amplify someone a bit beyond how they've performed because, as I said, they're new and there's something different about them. There is genuinely no one right now. There's no one with that frame in the league, first and foremost. There's no one who has been as good off coverage as he has. And that was kind of like his MO coming out of college that he plays off coverage and click and close as well as anyone else. But he's also got these long rangey arms and some press and trail stuff. But he was not necessarily a bump and run follow everyone all over the field guy. He got to New York. They said, do you want to try that on week one? He said, yep. They said, oh, wow, he's the best at that in the league. And let's just ask him to do that now for the rest of time. So um, I think Source Gardner is, I've not seen a corner that special, that instinctive, and no one has that frame of wingspan outside of maybe Tariq Woolen um, in the league. 
Beautiful. Okay. Scenario five. It's fourth and 20. You're three points down in the last two minutes. This might be a similar answer from previously. Who's your quarterback to keep the drive alive? Fourth and 20. Fourth and 20 is we're in fourth and impossible range. And yeah, we saw Mahomes do the 13 seconds, which is, you know, 13 seconds of impossible uh, in the AFC title game. But still, when it's something and impossible in the NFL, I'm taking Brady every time. Because oh. there's no reason that that should work, but you know, you know that Gronk would catch the ball. He's not even on a roster, but you just know, no matter what happened, fourth and twenty, everyone knows it's going to be a seam route. Gronk's so old now that you know parts would be falling off him, bolts would be unleashing oil leaking everywhere, rumbling down the field. It would take twenty seconds, but Bray would find a way to fit that ball to Gronk. See, I thought you'd go for something like a running quarterback, like Lamar oh. or something. No, no, Brady would find a way to to make it happen. Okay, scenario six. You've received the ball with the scores tied and under two to go. You execute the touchback. However, the coach to QB intercom goes down and to compound matters, the coach gets a severe paper cut which sends him to the locker room. Who is your QB to call the game from the line, old school, bar star style, and get the winning points? This is Dak Prescott. I I recently received some viral heat for this um, after guesting, guest hosting the athletic football show because I compared Dak Prescott to to Peyton Manning. And I think people think I'm saying Dak Prescott is as good as Peyton Manning. I'm not. I'm saying that Dak Prescott is the most Peyton Manning-like quarterback in terms of his communication at the line of scrimmage, in terms of modulating the tempo of the offense, running the entire thing himself in the line of scrimmage. And also, if you want to get into the nerdy stuff imaginable, using his cadence to reveal defensive rotations. Almost all of their big explosive plays, unless it's some kind of gimmicky thing Kellen Moore called, is him using the snap count and cadence, not quite the way Aaron Rodgers does, right? He does it to bait defenders offside or whatever and then take a deep shot. He's not doing a lot of figuring out the bouncing in and out of defenders to know where to go with the ball and kind of a quick strike way he wants to go deep down the field when he wants to go down the field uh, what what a lot of Dak does is little kind of changes to the cadence to force one linebacker who's trying to read to time it to either blitz or get depth to force them to do it early so then as they are kind of stuttering at the snap to think oh no i went too early where should i what should i do now should i resell realign he can throw the ball past their ear hole before they can quite figure out what's going on and it's a 25 yard play after the catch because he threw it seven yards so that the most kind of outside of obviously brady who's still playing makes it a bit unfair for some variance here, I'll go with Dak. I love it. Right, let's get weird. Scenario seven. You're you're entering into a playoff game. You have no chance of winning. Down to your third string quarterback and with injuries scattered all around your offense. There's no hope of you moving the ball. So you decide to infiltrate the referees just before the game, replacing one in a naked gun-esque move, uh, <laughs> maybe with... Is this an official bat? You replace him with a coach who you believe will be the most effective at calling a never-ending string of fouls without getting detected. Basically, who is the underhand coach anywhere in the NFL you think that could get away with this? Who is the coach you would put in there in that referee uniform to make those calls? So they're trying to help me. Yes. But it can't be obvious. So Exactly. They've got, to be, they've got to be sneaky. You know, I've been waiting my whole life for this question. I'm very glad that it's come up on a podcast. Um... Because you can go multiple scenarios here. You could go the too clever by half where you get someone you think could be in on the deal with you. You know, a genius. You get yourself a Belichick. I know he looks kind of like uh, Emperor Palpatine. He might give the game away too much. You get mm-hmm. yourself a Pete Carroll, a, a genius level person who could help you out with it. Or do you just go pure hack it 
where he looks yeah. so bamboozled that everyone's like, oh god, it's just Nathaniel's on this one, guys. Um, you know, he he just he's it's, in, it's incompetence rather than something yeah. underhand. Yeah, so that's really really tough. McCarthy's a good one too because he has that similar bumbling look where it's like I think he's just bad at the job and not necessarily committing some kind of fraudulent scheme. Whereas if you put McVeigh in, it looks like he's involved in a scheme. You know, there's kind of an entourage-y uh, element to it. So I'm I'm going to take Hackett and I'm going to try and go more down the the, the boob uh, profile than I am the, uh, the the smart guy. I love it. Scenario eight. Your team is facing a whitewash. 0-17 season is the last game of the year and you decide to bring in a celebrity <laughs> to motivate the troops with the final rallying call. What celebrity are you bringing in? So it can't be a football person. Yeah. Anything else? Who are you bringing in to rally the troops and avoid that 0-17 season? So we really have to, we have to win. My my job's on the line or whatever. So I can't go with the like this one someone I'd want to meet or hang out with for a game and say, hey, come sit with me at the sideline. We're getting fired anyway. We really have to win. Um, all I can think in my head now is how torturous the Rock doing that weird monologue before the Super Bowl was, and oh, it was like God. five minutes long. Um, who celebrity that I would bring in? Could I maybe bring in a musical act? We could do something musical together. Hmm. This is very difficult. This is very, very, very difficult. Hmm. You know, I with with thinking motivation. Hmm. This is tough. This is tough. Who who did you have in mind when you were setting the question? I was going to bring in the guy who plays Ted Lasso. Oh, Jason Sudeikis is an unbelievable shout. Yeah, I'd let get me Sudeikis. Uh, Although, again. I also like and love Ted Lasso like everyone else. You know, I don't want to be thrown onto a to a bonfire for criticizing Ted Lasso. Would would the, would he not fall in real life into a Russell Wilson camp? So unless I'm coaching the Broncos, we could be in. Eventually, it could get corny. It could get corny. These guys like Dan Campbell, man. This is what the league likes. They Ooh. do not like Ted Lasso's. You know, um, but I mean, let's go with Ted Lasso and hope for the best. At the start of Ted Lasso, was he not? Wichita State's coach was it in football? Okay, it, I think it was. Yeah, football coach. So Ted Lasso. Ted okay, Lasso. Ted Lasso. Let's go, Ted Lasso. I'm going to shorten this, Ollie. Two more. I'm going to do. Okay, um, it's all too much. A decade of losing seasons, and you know you're going to be getting fired on Black Friday or Black Monday, whatever it is. Not Black Friday. <laughs> there's, there's deals going down. You accept um, your fate, and you resolve to travel the world after the season on a yacht named Submissive Excitement with one. <laughs> with one NFL companion. Who, Ollie, is that going to be? And you can't take Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. Oh, I would never, ever, ever spend a fortnight. A fortnight. I wouldn't spend two hours with Tom. You know, I would I would like to meet him, say hello, and that would be the end of our interaction immediately. Do not meet him when they seem Scientology, you know. Um, Belichick would have been my pick, um, which is frustrating because, one, the fishing seems fun. Yeah, he does. He does get down, Belichick. Little known fact, he does get hammered. Um, so that would have been fun. Um, but he's out. You're saying, oh, that makes it tough because I am such a dog, and so I kind of do just want to hang out with Shanahan or McVeigh when there's probably cooler people I should pick to spend my time with. Honestly, as well, if I was just going for a good time and vibes, I'd pick Jim Irsay. He just seems like he seems like a who. That is a bold shout, but it may have I been. I probably the smart... wouldn't return. 
Or I'd return with the Colts job. You know, it's going to one of two ways. The smartest thing you've ever said. Uh, just find like a fully stocked yacht somewhere in the middle of the sea, like look, look pristine, but just nobody on it. And a slight mist around and silence. It's like, what happened to these guys, man? And no one would ever know. Uh, let's go, Jim Irsay. Last one then, Ollie, before we close off the show this week. It's the end of time. The heat death of the universe is realised, but you have survived in your light-bound stasis unit for all of time. However, you've had to share it with the worst person you can think of from the NFL in order to activate the required potassium infinite crystals. <laughs> who is it? In other words, who would be the worst person for you to spend infinity with from the NFL world? It's going to have to be Daniel Snyder. He is just the weasliest mother bleep out. Did you see the Sean Taylor statue, they called it, last week? It just, oh, yeah. This is like the fourth Sean Taylor tribute in a row. They, you know, they, they throw this guy's reputation yep. up as best safety of all time, so meaningful to that community on and off the field, obviously. Very, very meaningful to football fans everywhere. Every time they want some kind of shield for his awful behavior, awful comments and stuff, they, they immediately leap to, oh, let, you know, let's do something for Sean Taylor. And four times in a row now, not only have they got it wrong, they've got it wrong in, like, offensive and distasteful ways. How hard is it to build a statue to the man? How hard is it, if you're going to put his number on the field, not that people with guest passes stood on it? Ugh, it it's, it's terrible. At this point where it's like, are they intentionally trolling the fandom football fandom the taylor family when they're trying to use this guy's name as a meat shield for their despicable owner so i, I could not spend any length of time with with daniel snyder i certainly could not be spending eternity with the man wow and that is situational football ladies and gentlemen we hope you enjoyed it and next week we'll have another game show if mikey's back with us and uh, i know mike says hi to everybody but um if you do have an idea for a game show or you have any questions you want us to answer or any points you want to make to us honestly guys it's all about listener interaction mcfsquestions at gmail.com please please get in touch with us ollie we're heading into another weekend my friend i'm excited for it really excited for it um and i'm hoping probably beyond any kind of reasonable expectation that i see a bit of jordan love again it's <laughs> terrible isn't it i want to sneak a bit of the love <laughs> i mean this slate is ridiculously packed. I mean, slate to the last few weeks have not been as exhilarating as maybe one or two spots there, but you just run on down the line. This is going to be, I think, the most the most fun week we've had for a, for a fair few. Looking forward to next week's show, Ollie. So for now, it's goodbye from you. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Have a great NFL weekend. 